Hello, it is Tuesday, September 29th, and COVID has run wild on the Tennessee Titans, causing absolute chaos in the scheduling department of the NFL. We'll talk about all that. We talked to Aaron Rodgers. Yep, it's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Be a friend, tell a friend about that. That'll continue throughout the entire season. And also, we'll dive deep into the analytics of refing with Mike Pereira. Conversations about everything happening in the sports world. And this podcast today is a day where you'll say, I'm so thankful I let these morons penetrate my ear holes. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, the greatest sports book on planet Earth and the moon. Now, Whenever I tell you the FanDuel paid us a lot of money to say that, I'm being completely honest. Mm -hmm. But even if they weren't to pay us any money, and we had no relationships with anybody in the sports gambling world or fantasy sports world or free-to-play world, we would tell you with a very straight face, because it's the God-honest truth, that FanDuel has the greatest tech, FanDuel has the greatest odds, Mm -hmm. FanDuel has the most friendly book in the history of sportsbook, refunding bets whenever they feel like people got fucked over. They have same-game parlays, which not many places have. You can bet on all things happening. Last night, a lot of us got we got busy on the same-game parlay, baby. I mean, I had one bet that had 11 different legs in it where I bet 50 bucks, I could have won 35000 bucks. And I think you, a Lamar Jackson rushing touchdown was the only thing you missed, right? Lamar Jackson touchdown, uh, Lamar touchdown anytime score. Mm-hmm. And the over. Ah, right. But if the over hits, which was close, shout out to Harrison Bucker getting bouncing back next week for mm-hmm. kicking the ball better. But if the over hits and Lamar Jackson scores a touchdown, I have a same game parlay worth $35,000. That's the difference with FanDuel. Same game parlays, the opportunity to chase. It's so easy to use. You know exactly what you're betting on. The tech is just magnificent. So, yes, they do pay us to say the FanDuel is the best. But even if they didn't, we would look you right in the eye and say, if you're going to get into gambling, if you're going to get into daily fantasy, if you're going to do fantasy football at all or do free-to-play, there's only one company that will make it the best experience of your life, and that's our friends at FanDuel. So shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook. Shout out to FanDuel in general for just being a great group of humans, taking care of people, making gambling fun, making fantasy fun, making free-to-play fun. Uh, Sign up at FanDuel if you're one of the states where uh, sports gambling is available. And if we're coming to a state near you, get ready Mm -hmm. because we have a blast. And it's not just for the dudes, by the way. If you're a lady listening to this or forced to listen to this show because your boyfriend or husband or significant other listens, we appreciate you, by the way. I understand that a bunch of idiots screaming into microphones can get annoying every once in a while, but I have something for you. My wife has become maybe FanDuel's most active user because she is forced to watch all of these games. Now, she likes the football. She likes watching teams. There are some games that she is awfully bored from. And whenever she's gambling alongside me, it's better for both of us. She's winning money. She's smart. I think she went like 18-4 and four this weekend or something on her bets. I mean, it is unbelievable. It's great for your relationship. Gives your lady a little bit more of a horse in the race if it's not – necessarily the team that you cheer for so big thanks for FanDuel for helping relationships all around the world as well absolutely that's what FanDuel does let's get to the show last night the Chiefs beat the ass of the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore much to the chagrin of the sports books and the entire Monday NFL countdown on ESPN, who had the Ravens favored over the Chiefs, over the reigning Super Bowl champions, over the reigning Super Bowl MVP, over the quarterback that got paid a half a billion dollars this offseason. Everybody said the Baltimore Ravens were going to have their way with them. 
Lamar Jackson's too good. After an MVP season last year, he's going to come in this year, be even better. He was. They have been. That defense has been stingy. Did you see what the Chargers did to the Chiefs? Now imagine what they're going to do with an MVP, a quarterback instead of a rookie, and a defense that's better than the Chargers defense. This is what everybody said. We don't agree with that, but what, what everybody said. Turns out, that was all a bunch of bullshit. The Kansas City Chiefs looked like they looked in the first night, by the way, which there was a couple people on the television and the internet that said, are we sure that the Chiefs are really that good? And this is all because of the Chargers game. All because of a Chargers team which has played the Chiefs very difficult the past couple years against Patrick Mahomes' that team. Always has for whatever reason. I have no idea what it is, but... Everybody should be trying to do what the Chargers are doing to stop Patrick Mahomes because it feels like this son of a bitch is going to be going for the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years at the level yep. he's going. Mm-hmm. They were unbelievable last night. We all assumed uh, in this particular office, uh, mostly me and Gumpy, and I think a couple others, that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to bounce back in beautiful fashion. Andy Reid was going to be very much understanding that his team needs to have a big bounce back game. So we'll open up some new wrinkles. We'll make it a little bit more fun, a little bit more interesting. We'll go into Baltimore, which people are calling the game game of the year already and we'll be able to have our way with them and they did by the way and there was a couple new plays that Andy Reid drew up I think on his little shield (laughs) where it was awesome there was an underhanded shuttle pass that was on purpose drawn up designed to be that way Tutter. Patrick Mahomes was just running backwards and throwing the ball as far as he can a la what he did in the Super Bowl to Tyreek Hill to meet Cole Hardman multiple times we had same game parlays all over the place that everybody had the overhitting and turns out it was the only thing <laughs> that didn't hit in, in early. That kickoff, anytime you have a kickoff return, by the way, normally over is going to hit, okay? Yes. So anytime there's a kickoff return that's very quick, that's a possession scored. They're getting the ball back who just scored. That's why they kicked off to begin with. Normally your over hits. Instead, Lamar Jackson was not able to do much against this Kansas City Chiefs defense. Now, there was a couple big runs and a couple early shots there that happened. But aside from that, the Chiefs were dominant from the beginning to the end. And I loved every single second of it, mostly because I bet a very, very large amount of money on the Chiefs plus three and a half, the Chiefs money line, and the Chiefs alternate spread at plus like I know, minus four or something Ooh. like that. So I made a lot of money. Now, my same game parlay that would have hit for $35,000 did not hit because <laughs> Lamar Jackson didn't score and the over didn't hit. Oh. Okay, so two things that should have happened and I would assume would have happened were maybe the most predictable out of the entire nine-side parlay that I had. Did not hit for $35,000, but I did hit on the Chiefs, plus three and a half money line and minus four. I made a handsome amount of cash there. But it was alarming how dominant they looked. We'll talk about that. But the big story of today is it's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Yeah! Aaron Rodgers will be joining us in hour three to talk about his dominant performance this past weekend, why he's playing football so damn good, and also, what are his thoughts on everyday life? And what are his thoughts on the news that is captivating the NFL land right now? News that we had about 15 minutes before the rest of the world had it, oh, maybe yeah. 20 minutes before the rest of the world had it. So our sources told us, okay, And I chose to tweet out that I knew something that was going to come out strictly because this is what I do. Okay, the reason why I do this, I don't want to get into the news-breaking game. I do not want to get into the news-breaking game. It's a dangerous game. Oh, yeah. Because if you're not 100% accurate, somebody's going to come after you, whether it's your opponents who are trying to sneak the news out before you or the people you're breaking news about, you not being 100% accurate. So the news-breaking game is not one that I want to get into. you got to be you got to be a special type of person to get in the news-breaking game. We've dabbled. Hey, I've dabbled in the news-breaking game, and that's why I've been in their pond before, and I don't want to swim there anymore. Like, it's just not a place. Stay. But I would like people to know that 
If you, if I wanted to, I could potentially dive into that. Oh, if yeah. I, if I wanted to dive into that world, I could. I don't want to. And also, I would like to let people know that we are a credible place. Like, hey, this is a credible show. We know things that are going to happen, just like everybody else does. Just like the big networks that have their insiders and everything. We also have that type of operation. So. When I tweeted at 1014 that there was some rather large news that's about to hit the NFL world pretty soon, just know that I knew. That's all I wanted. I just wanted people to know that we knew. I just wanted people to know that we knew. And that big news was COVID-19 went on to the top rope, jumped as high as possible, and macho man Randy Savage elbow dropped the Tennessee oh, Titans. Oh, no. I mean, absolutely bring it down from the clouds on the Tennessee Titans. Three new player positives, five new personnel positives this morning or yesterday for a COVID-19 case in the Tennessee Titans building. Mike Garofalo and Tom Pelissaro reported that. We could have. Could have. Yeah, yeah sure. I don't think we had the exact numbers, but we did know that, that there was a COVID-19 outbreak on what team it was and how it was affecting a lot of We knew a lot of information, uh, information, and both the Titans and the Vikings who hosted them Sunday will suspend in-person club activity starting today, okay? So there's a lot to unfold here. Everybody assumed that this was going to happen at some point, all right? The, the internet was, this isn't breaking news. We knew this was going to happen. This, The reason why it is breaking news is because we just got slapped in the face for the first time something that doesn't happen to the NFL. The NFL is now going to have to change completely for some outside source that they cannot control. So, for instance, right now, COVID-19 has the Tennessee Titans kicked out of their facility until Saturday, it says. Now, the NFL has come out and said, we don't have a set protocol for return to building because each case is different. And they're meeting with infectious disease doctors and maintenance and all this. So they're clean sweeping the entire building. There's all this stuff going on. But everybody has said, basically, that they're shutting down the building until at least Saturday. This game's supposed to be Sunday. So what's that mean? They don't practice. So what's that mean? This game's postponed. Okay. So now the Steelers, who have done nothing wrong. Just never. Steelers have done nothing wrong. Not, not that the Titans have done anything wrong either. One guy might have had a kid who went to school and somebody at the school like touches hand and then it comes there's so many different ways for this to happen so i'm not saying anybody did anything wrong but no steelers tested positive now the steelers since they're playing the titans their game's postponed to sunday and this is all just assumed by the way none of this has come out announced but if a team can't be in the building until saturday game sunday let's assume are, are they going to travel are they gonna, like what are they there's no way like you can't no, you can't play the game so now the steelers have a week four bye week which is absolutely terrible okay that's bad timing and there is actually a setup in the schedule for an actual possible return. And that comes in week seven, the best solution for rearranging the Steelers-Titans schedule. Steelers-Titans don't play Sunday, which is uh, this particular week four. Steelers have a bye week. I don't know what the Titans are going to do. I guess they have a bye week too. I don't know. Steelers-Ravens get pushed from week seven to week eight because both teams have byes then. Steelers-Titans play week seven. Titans have a scheduled bye on that week seven. So now the Titans will take a, a bye this week. Steelers will take a bye this week. The Steelers game against the Ravens gets pushed one week and then week seven when the Steelers will play the Titans because the Titans are already on a bye week. So the NFL schedule makers will hopefully come out and victory parade this and say we knew this was going to happen <laughs> and say that this is a viable answer or a viable option for this particular situation. But this is the first of what I would assume isn't going to be the only and it's going to be interesting to see how they balance the games, where they move the games, will they just postpone the entire week, add games at the end because we do know that the NFL has the hotels in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl for an extra month after what the Super Bowl is scheduled, which is not normal, by the way. I was told that that is not normal. So is the NFL now getting a chance to showcase a plan that they had made? Or is the NFL now 
currently sitting in a room in New York going, what the fuck do we do now? (laughs) And I would assume it's potentially the latter because in this particular world, there's no way they knew whether or not they were still going to not be allowed to have people in stadiums at this point. I would assume there was a thought one month into the stadium, which or one month into the season, which we are now, that there would be a, a, a figure it out thing for the COVID-19. Because remember, at one point, COVID was just a two-week bye week for the whole entire country. And then now it's become what it is. I would assume that any preparation that you have or any planning that you could have had had to have happened months ago but everything changes so quickly who knows if anything that they had planned for is even a viable option right now with the way things are going it's insane it's a wild time to be alive and now the nfl is going to have to adapt in a fashion that the mlb had to do with the marlins what the uh college football is going to have to do at some or has already done because they've had to move a lot of games like 15 of them or 16 of them now the nfl is going to have to do it let's see how it goes i'm pumped up about it speaking of baseball we'll have jet pass and joining us at 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time because I guess baseball is playing right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Playoffs start today. Whoa. Whoa. Hey. Hey. Shit. They did it. Way to go. Baseball got through a regular season traveling around the country playing against people in their home stadiums, and now they're at the playoffs, which is the most important part, which is what all of them all wanted to get to because this is where all the money is coming from. Congrats to the baseball people. We'll talk to Jed about who's playing. I have no idea. I heard the Reds are in. Mm-hmm. Herb wow. Street said while I was on the air oh, yeah. that Cincinnati Reds made it in the playoffs. Good <laughs> right. for him. Uh, Mike Pereira, Aaron Rodgers, hell of a Tuesday here, September 29th. We would like your thoughts and your ideas on what the NFL is going to do with this COVID situation in Tennessee. Also, your thoughts for if you were a Steelers fan and now your team that's really hot right now, 3-0, and finding their stride, is forced to take an early bye week, so that means they don't even get to enjoy a full bye week because guys haven't you know, got a chance to really set anything up or anything like that. They get a Bullshit bye week, okay, very early in the season. Yeah. Week four bye week is very, very early. That's rough. Now, you got a nice 13-week run, or, or yeah, 13-week run you yep. guys are going to have to go on yikes. straight into another four or five weeks if you want to make it to the Super Bowl, let alone if that's delayed, another six weeks after Ooh. that. Mm-hmm. 19 more weeks if you guys want to make it to the Super Bowl. Maybe 20, we'll just say, to make it good for the Steelers fans. <laughs> At Tone Diggs, you got to be a little bit frustrated about what happened. Yeah, there's one. there's three frustrating things here, and one is the uh, bye week being moved to week four, which you have said many, many times is possibly the worst bye week to potentially have, especially when you are starting to hit your stride and figure things out, uh, going into an, an Nice little week here. Um, number two, uh, only three players tested positive. That's going to happen, and it's going to postpone games. That might be an issue. And and number Ooh. three, and most importantly, uh, this is distracting from Lamar Jackson throwing for 90 yards last night and looking like a piece of shit. Oh, um, which, Jesus. Tony, that's the MVP. I feel like the Ravens and Lamar are getting a pass today now because of COVID, and that's just not something that should happen. Okay, so diehard Steelers fan. Whew. Tone digs right there. Respect that. Just had a lot because your life has been affected. It's here. got turned upside down, and the Steelers did nothing wrong here, and it's uh, ruining potentially good season. Yeah, potentially. I mean, yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a long time on the other side of this bye week for Ben Roethlisberger to stay upright. Oh no! I mean, that is a long, long time. Oh. It was supposed to be what week eight bye week or whatever, um, and that is, by the way. Yeah. That is the perfect time for – yeah, that's the, the perfect bye week right in the middle right of the season. Right after the Ravens, I mean, it's going to be a black and blue game. You get, get a nice bye week to, to heal up and 
go into the rest of the season. Yeah, but instead, here you are, week four. Going to have to play the Ravens, which you just said, uh, quarterback's a piece of shit, you said. Yeah, well, last night he was. Or bait him. I mean, that was wild. Not he, personally, on the field. Oh, okay. All right, good news. Uh, they did not look great last night, which has to be good news for the Steelers, if you're watching that. Yeah. Because Lamar Jackson came out afterwards and said, basically, that the defensive scheme that they run is his kryptonite, or their kryptonite. And Diggs, you tweeted out, the kryptonite is get ahead and make them have to pass the entire time, which they did not do, by the way. They ran it a lot. He missed a couple balls throwing they were still running it though rather hard whenever they were down mm-hmm. so i didn't fully understand that but boy patrick mahomes and the chiefs three and zero against lamar jackson and the ravens and by the way that's not just a, a lamar jackson stat patrick mahomes and the chiefs are, are pretty undefeated against damn near everybody mm-hmm. yep they are unbelievable so they did not look great but the COVID thing let's go back to what you said about three people testing mm-hmm. positive that's real i thought and I might be wrong, but I thought the reason why you test everybody on such a regular basis is so if a positive comes up, you can isolate said some bitch, mm-hmm. get them away from everybody, so then everybody else can continue to operate. Three positive players, five positive personnel, contact tracing, who knows how many that is. But if you keep all of them out of the building, why do they have to shut down the entire building, clean the entire thing out, and keep it moving? Because if it was all over the building, then wouldn't more than three and five, three players, five personnel test positive? Or are they just doing this out of an abundance of caution because these are the first positive tests they've had in weeks in the NFL, and they're just worried that it could potentially take out an entire facility? So it was big news also this weekend when uh, Falcons corner A.J. Terrell got it. And so the one one player on the team had it, and but everyone else tested negative. So he sat out, and they still played the game. What's the difference? between one player and three players well that's the big thing is because if you're testing everybody and that's why the world is so um anxious for reliable daily tests mm-hmm. that are uh, affordable mm-hmm. right because once that happens allegedly now everything could get flipped on a side complete bullshit like everything has at this point but if everybody can get tested then you have the ability to separate the people that have it away from the people that don't have it so the people that don't have it can maybe live their lives a little bit yeah. maybe the people that don't have it can open their businesses back up that they've run for 15 years that they haven't been able to open for six months and potentially took every single fucking dollar out of their pocket <laughs> and everything they worked mm-hmm. for if they don't have it i thought that is what the testing was for so if you have availability for tests you can get the people that have it away from the people that don't have it and if three people have it and nobody else has it that means have you done a good job of keeping people socially distant and wearing masks Mm. yes congratulations good job but now let's keep them out of the building until they don't have it anymore two clean tests or whatever and then let them back I'm 100% with you there. I don't know why three positives for the players, five for the personnel, automatically means shut down the entire building. But if that's going to be the case, hey, the abundance of caution that every other NFL team is going to have to show, this sign and warning every other team is going to have to take from this is a massive one. At Boston Connor, I assume Bill Belichick's got that place pretty well locked down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we have known and heard stories from people like, hey, uh, the person that delivered food coughed on my my kid's drink. (laughs) I grabbed it. Uh I took my finger, shoved it in my ear somehow I got COVID so who knows this could happen to anybody at this point I would assume how every NFL team feels and they're probably fighting the same fight we're Uh fighting like hey if three people get it, we're automatically shutting down. I thought that's why we're testing everybody here. Don't so, they know where they're exactly they're at at all times? That meter thing, that like little wrist thing. Uh, at Viva Lazito, there with the contact tracing wristband <laughs> that they're wearing, it's kind of like a, a whoop band that they have yeah. on them. And as soon as you get too close to somebody, it turns a different color and lights up mm-hmm. or something. And then it probably keeps that person's thing logged in the in the frame. It's like okay, if this person ends up positive in the next five days, everybody that's touched it in the NFL. 
I would assume everybody, that's yeah. probably why. Those three players, I would assume, have been in contact or in the contact tracing department with everybody in the locker room. And then the personnel people, five of them, they've probably been in contact with everybody. They probably had to just shut down everybody because of contact tracing at this point. That's probably what Do it we is. think it's three very important players, and that's why they're that's, playing? That's I was going to say, thought. do you think it's possible that Derrick Henry, Tannehill, and like Jonu Smith got yeah. it, so they're like, hey, this is, this is really bad? At Ty Schmidt there, big Packers fan. I don't know. I honestly think that there's a chance that – it's the contact tracing thing. Because the contact tracing thing was big for college football teams. Because college football teams, one guy gets it, well, that entire it's over. meeting room is out. Now you're out 15 players, and it's like, well, we can't field a team or whatever. So I don't. I think it's probably the contact tracing thing if we were to dissect. So although only three came back positive, those three were dosy done with another <laughs> 30 guys <laughs> in the walk, maybe playing a cornhole, socially distant game, but you could potentially touch the bag and have somebody yep. else have it. True. I would assume that that is where that's at. Showers on. I don't know how they're showering. I don't know how that's going Towel on. Whipping. They're on a bus traveling. I would assume you're sitting next to people, and while you're walking through the bus, you're probably bing, bing, yeah, bing, close quarters. bing, bing. Yeah, and the Titans just traveled to Minnesota, right? They're all on a plane yep. together, mm-hmm. breathing mm-hmm. the same air together. Yeah. I would assume it's contact tracing that is the problem here. Yeah, from our friend of the show, Chuck Robinson of Yahoo. Okay, Yahoo Sports still a thing, but yeah. wow. He was told that both Titans and Vikings franchise became aware of the COVID outbreak uh, late last night, early this morning, began contact tracing. It included contact tracing on the Titans return flight, which is suggestive that an infected person was in a team's traveling party and on the plane. So there we go. By the way, I saw the Colts doing like community events last week. Really? Mm-hmm. I wonder if those types of things stop. Like legit. Community events are great. Giving back is great. But what if that's what one of the players did Monday, right? Who knows how they... Train can't stop here. I mean, they do have to shut everything down. That's extracurricular if they want to keep the season going. Yeah, but what about making the world a better place? Oh, you can do that after the Super Bowl. Football makes the world a better place. Oh, yeah. Well said. Well said. (laughs) Well said. Hey, man. At Viva Lazito, what is the poll today, brother? Yes. uh, Did the Titans ruin the whole NFL season? Um, yep, 62.2%. Nope, 37.8%. Okay, so did the Titans ruin the whole NFL season? Titans don't deserve that. Okay, no. from what we've no. heard about this particular thing is you never know how you can get it or spread it. But it is wild that that contact tracing thing has probably just been going ham on them. Like, well, don, 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 got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And then they all get tested and it says negative. Hmm. So then it's like... Well, who's right? The little fucking wristband? <laughs> or the tests? Or were the wristbands created by the test makers? Because the test makers were under the assumption that COVID-19 spreads if you're even near each other. But the tests are saying no. So is the contact tracing thing even worth it? Well, now we're in a conundrum. And who are those players near who are on the Vikings when they were on the field? All negative tests yes. coming out of the Vikings. Nice. Back-to-back days. That oh. is a big deal. And when you remember back to the MLB, the Yankees shut down because they were playing somebody, or the Phillies shut down because they were playing the Marlins, and they thought they had potentially had spread onto baseball while they were throwing a fastball or curveball. And the real problem was the knuckler because that thing, COVID is just floating on that yeah. thing. That's right. It's just bouncing off. Never know. Turns out nobody on the opposing team has got COVID yet via play on the field. 
I don't know if that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure of that. Checks out. Sentence works. But if we go back to the very beginning of this thing, who was that Utah Jazz player that played the bongos? Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> Rudy Gobert didn't know what we know now, but hindsight, Rudy Gobert made a wild move there. But he got his teammate who was sitting right next to him. Donovan Mitchell. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that was contact. Tra- that's probably when the contact tracing thing started. It was like, okay, now we have to think about not only the person, but who they've been around. Let's make these bands. Boom, boom, boom. That's probably what's going on. Titans thing. Everybody got contact traced. Now we have to test everybody numerous times because they said a different test was being given out to the contact trace people. It was like point of something test. The people that have been point of contact. Uh, no, no, I don't. It was. It felt like they were maybe going to a store or to a doctor, not at the building to get their oh. tests. And I would assume all those people have to pass what two negative tests, but it takes 24 hours for those tests. What day is it now? Tuesday. So that's four days. That's why Saturday has been the mm-hmm. shutdown date. That means the game Sunday is definitely getting postponed or canceled. Okay, I'm happy we figured this out. McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk begins on this beautiful Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Woo! Joining us right now from an addict at his mansion in Columbus, Ohio, Super Bowl champion, national champion, Mr. A.J. Hawk. What's going on, guys? You all right? <laughs> you wore that blue shirt because your blue eyes. Good idea. Good idea. For Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, that is very smart. Hey, every time I wear something blue, I, I think you say that to me. Well, it's a good idea it's because true. right now you are giving us this death stare with those incredibly baby blue eyes that you have. And it's captivating almost at this point, Bob. Hey, you, you know you can't wear uh, – Urban does not like if you wear blue around him. I found it out <laughs> – I don't know, four or five years ago, I was playing in a golf event with him. I wore a, like a navy shirt. He's like, what, what's with the blue? And I'm like, I didn't even, I don't know. I didn't even think about what color my shirt was. So I realized a long time ago. That's probably what happened on that boat. That guy had a blue shirt. And he said, take, take it, it off, off. Yeah. throw it off the boat. That's why the guy was rolling around naked in the <laughs> oh, back there. Have, have we got an answer for who that guy was? Still a no. Uh, lady, ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man that needs no introduction, but I'm going to give it to him. Hell yeah. <laughs> From Butte, California. Oh, yeah. This man was supposed to be the number one overall pick in a draft long, long, long ago. What? Instead, he just fell and fell and fell. Oh. People said, this guy is a draft bust. This guy is a bum. Then, one night, on the team that he was drafted to, the Green Bay Packers, he jogged out of the tunnel, and he saw Scott Stapp of Creed. What? He looked at a friend and said, tonight's going to be a big night. He gets on the football field. He starts giving out suck it signs and dropping dimes and here we are decades later and the man is still at the top of his game ladies and gentlemen perennial all pro and pro bowler a guy who is living his best life not because of maybe his personal life but because he decided to look inside and be a much happier person than he's ever been before ladies and gentlemen 12 a rod aaron roger yeah! How many five-hour energies is, are you guys on right now? <laughs> hey, we're jacked up. It's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, dude. Great shirt, <laughs> dropping dimes and suck it signs. We're wow. happy that got to you at the stadium. You look unbelievable in it. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate the love. I was, I almost put on the for the brand, but I just wanted to. I almost double layered it. They just know what that is. That's where you actually wear two shirts. <laughs> um, 
Oh, nips. But I appreciate the, the package. Thank you, boys. Hey, no problem. We appreciate your presence on the show every Tuesday. Let's get to it. Hey, another great night down in New Orleans. We talked about last week with you being on the run. I believe it was in Minnesota where you're talking about normally that place is very loud and you're able to use a hard count. That was a big talking point by everybody night after you played down in New Orleans, how you were able to use the hard count to your advantage on the road. Is this? Were you about to call a timeout on that play? Because everybody was talking about that. And do you wait? until like the perfect moment to use the hard count does the team know it's coming how is the process of going through that whole thing well Pat, i think some of that's competitive advantage so i can't fully answer your question but there is some competitive advantage locked up in that uh, in that question which makes you an even better Interview. interviewer yeah bingo. so congrats to you my friend Thank you. Um, well done yep <laughs> suck it yeah. uh, <laughs> No, but you know what I saw on that specific particular play where um, Demario jumped off sides, you know, right before the cadence had drew him off sides, he almost jumped off sides. He walked to the edge of the line and was timing up. It looked like he was looking at the play clock as well behind me. I was looking at the one, you know, up and to the right and saw it going, you know, from two to one, got the last cadence and he jumped. We snapped it. Um, was definitely thinking about calling timeout had that uh, had he not jumped um, and then you know we kept playing and I threw one up to Lazard who was uh, getting handcuffed by Jenkins and it went from a third and two conversion five yards to a you know offsides and pass interference so we got the ball on the one and obviously went ahead two scores which um, you know put us in a really good position yeah I'd say Hey, do you, Aaron, what do you think if, um, like, let's just say hypothetically sometime down the road, like some coaches get together and people say, you know what, this is an unfair advantage that the Packers have with Aaron Rodgers and his hard count. Like, do you think you could ever envision a time where they change the rules in football because you are so good at this? <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't think it's just me. I think other guys are using hard counts. Um, I think we've had one over the years that's been really tough to, to time up just because the rhythmic nature of it. And then just the amount of snap counts that we have. I mean, we have, I guarantee you, more snap counts than any other team in the league. And that's not by, uh, you know, maybe by design. Uh, it's by uh, boredom, probably, or just creativity. And a lot of them don't even come from me. You know, David Bakhtiari might suggest doing something a certain way, or Corey Lindsley, our center, um, you know, a guy from the from the Mideast, you know, from Columbus region. You know, just, uh, <laughs> you know, he might suggest a, a, a type of cadence. But... You know, the beauty is when you can not draw your own guys off sides. We've had one false start so far in three games. I think we've drawn five uh, either neutral zone uh, infractions or offsides with free plays. So we like that five-to-one ratio. It's been good for us. We had a third and seven early in the game, um, and we got both the ends to jump. Uh, they blew it dead, but we had a third and two the next play and converted. So, um, you know, and like I've said, it's not always about just the hard count. It's about... Uh, not letting the defensive line get off, you know, with a big jump on the snap. But again, you know, Pat, you, you mentioned it. Not playing with any, you know, anybody in the stands makes a big difference in, a, in an environment like New Orleans and Minnesota, or two road games where the, the noise is always a problem. I forgot about you getting them to jump off early. You were pissed off that they blew that dead. Did they tell you on the spot like they they seem to be unimpeded to the quarterback, or what was that conversation? That one, they said the right tackle moved. Before the ball was snapped, uh. upon further review, 
that was not <laughs> correct. <laughs> you didn't say it, by the way. Somebody else said that. You were just echoing that statement that you just made there. Um, be, whenever you say that you have the most cadences or whatever, I find that very interesting because Chris Collinsworth, I believe he talked about in the game that the New Orleans Saints defense has the most amount of looks out of any team that he's ever seen or most amount of schemes. And they said that they asked you guys about it. You're like, we're not going to try to figure out what they're doing. We're just going to do what we're doing. Is that true? And are the Saints like uh, abnormal in that particular fashion? Well, I think it's that it's that family of defenses, which is, you know, Steve Spagnolo, uh, Dennis Allen, the the Ryan brothers. You know, they've they've always uh, given a number of different looks. They're kind of the first uh, resurgence of the three four uh, in all facets, um, with with a lot of different odd looks on third down. Uh, you know, odd spacing looks where the guards are uncovered. You have stand up linebackers. We didn't see as much of that. The first two games, they did a lot of kind of the odd spacing stuff with uh, uh, DeMario Davis and uh, Malcolm up there a bunch and different blitz looks out of that. I feel like they were more four-down spacing uh, Sunday night, so the uh, the guards were covered in a lot of looks, a lot of double-A gap pressures or pressure looks. Um, so that was a good changeup by uh, Coach Allen and their defense. Um, for us, it was about just being efficient. I think we did a really nice job. Uh, on third down again, we're five for 11, four, five, four out of five in the red zone. So when we're winning situational football, uh, we've been pretty tough to beat so far. Oh, the double barrel will get you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, how, how different was that place, Aaron, from I, – like, I don't think I've ever won in New Orleans when it was actually – when there was fans there. How different was it compared to what it's like when it is full? Well, Age, I think you were there for both of the games in 08 and 14. Um, the 08 one was a long night for the – G and G, fifty-two to twenty-nine. I think Drew probably threw more touchdowns and incompletions that night. Um, and then fourteen wasn't uh, wasn't that much better. You know, I know they beat us by multiple scores again. Uh, it's just t- it is a tough place to play. It's loud. It's uh, uh, you know, it's that obnoxious crowd that is just nonstop. It's a credit to their fans because they are on the entire time. But it's. Uh, it's definitely one of the toughest places to play um, from an energy uh, standpoint. And I think that's the thing you've seen the most. I felt that on our own defense, uh, playing at home in week two. Uh, the defenses really feed off of the energy of the crowd. Um, I think it's the noise that uh, that helps. And I think you've, you've seen across the league, at least in the three games that we played, not the same type of energy on defense um, from our opponents and our own, our own defense. So, I think that's one thing that's that's interesting as we look at uh, kind of this new 2020 uh, NFL season. And, and one of the differences, I think, is obviously the energy level is is uh, is low, and I think it starts with the, the lack of uh, the lack of fans in the stadium. I guess wanting to run your face into somebody as opposed to running away from getting your face hit. There's two different energy levels. There's one I'm trying not to die, and the other one is oh I'm trying to kill somebody. So I would assume that whenever you have a little bit of energy behind that one. It would. I didn't even think about the absence of energy or fans being a little bit of a problem for the defensive side of the ball. It makes sense, though, now that you mentioned it. It's like the Coliseum. You know, you got a couple gladiators, and the crowd is doing the, the you know, kill. thumb down. Kill. Yeah. Kill. Yeah. Kill. Yeah. Kill. Yeah. Kill. You're the one getting killed normally, by the way. That is kind of the the entire mission for the defense and for uh, their fans. I want to talk to you a little bit more football schematics here, deep in the football game, because – 
Play action's a real threat right now for the Green Bay Packers. Play action, you're, by the way, do you take pride in making it look as if you're giving the ball off? Because I feel like that's not something that's talked about anymore, is the beautiful play action by the quarterback. Little magician hands, if you will. But that also plays into how well the offensive line and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are doing. That is a whole different facet that I don't think we've really seen you get to weaponize in some time. Yeah, I think that was the beauty in the play calling the other night. You know, they're a really stout defensive line, um, and we just kept them off balance. We we had in the first couple weeks run a lot of keepers. I think we ran five or six, um, and all but one were successful for us. Uh, you know, we hit Lazard for about 48, you know, when we got the ball back um, to go ahead, you know, that score put us up 13-7. Um, we had, the, you know, the second play of the game, uh, went for our first down. Bobby Tynan caught two of those for about 30 yards. Chase Sternberger had one. So they were very effective for us. Uh, we didn't. We also ran some play action. I don't feel like, you know, some of the action this week was as good because of the fact that many of the plays where we had, like a play action call, Malcolm Jenkins blitz off the edge. So a lot of the actions that we had weren't able to really sync up as well. However, I felt like they were very timely. And just the, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a combination of things looking just like the run, uh, the offensive lines by a pad level, and then the sync up of the, you know, the, the fake and the running back's body language. And I think we did a pretty good job on that. I love the call there on the goal line up 30 to 27 with two minutes left in the game. Um, you know, with them running empty, zero pressure on about five of six snaps in a row. And Maddie calling that uh, play action boot with the, you know, the tight end block and then released to the flat. I thought that was a great call and, and a wide open touchdown that kind of put us ahead uh, by, you know, two scores and, and really uh, put the game away. But, you know, again, it, it was a strange game in that we only had about 15 or 16 true drop-back passes um, for, for a normal game. That's, that's really low. And I really did like the, the change-up and, and the flow of the, of the game that Matt called. Hmm. Hey, do you ever, you ever call off uh, or wave off any calls coming in from the sidelines in your helmet? Or uh, another move that I know defensive guys have used in the past, you could say your, your speaker cut out and so you can call what you want. Have you ever done that? <laughs> I've done that a ton of times. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't hear, can't hear. What do you think? I have done that a, a fair Too amount. Late. Every now and then it's real. You know, I, I can't believe it. And, and LaFleur thought I was messing around. Last year, the helmet went out three times probably. And he could not believe it. And the second time it went out, he thought I was messing with him. Then I faked one in between the second and the third time. I did the, oh, I, I can't. And then he was like, oh, my God, you could just see him just freaking out on the sidelines. And then I was laughing. I was pointing at him. Like, oh, I'm just kidding, you know? um, but but it went out again. I, I've had to wear the backup helmet four times, I think, in two years, which, I, I mean, in the, in the 13 years, let's just say in the 11 years that Mike and I were together, I mean, two, maybe three times in 11 years did my helmet ever go out. And we're talking about three times, four times in, in two years with the with the floor. Um, he's had some choice words for uh, some of the, the helmet people um, <laughs> during those times. But, uh, yeah, man, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, uh, it's a little crazy. So sometimes that does happen. you got to kind of make up a play based on the personnel that's in. If you know the game plan well enough, you can kind of fit in those parameters, or if you want to kind of go rogue, you can 
pull something out of your ass, do you think it's going to work, you know? Yeah, so basically what it sounds like you're trying to say is that the recent, like, development of 5G over the last couple of years, is that messing up your helmet? <laughs> we can get into it if you want. Hey, there's some birds falling too, but yeah. The bees are yeah. messed up, all of it. Yeah. A lot of strange things going on. Oh, 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 oh. We won't- just, Pat, I would ask you this. I would ask you this. What does the Simpsons have to say about all this? Uh, that's a great question. I'll tell you what, you can dive back and they got the murder hornets right. I mean, they got numerous. I laid out an entire video. I think it has like 700 bazillion views at this point of like 25 coincidences that were predicted to a T by Matt Groening and his time traveling little squad over there. Oh boy, is a time traveler, don't you think? Well, you would know if there are people that do that because you're like in that world up there. You know what I mean? You're Aaron Rodgers. So if you find out, will you please relay the message to said office? By the way, Ty Schmidt, what do you got? Uh, Aaron, you told us these first couple weeks that you want us to kind of not overreact and, and just go with the flow. I mean, after what's happening at, and from your experience, at what point do you know, like, OK, I mean, it's no overreaction. It is what it is. We're pretty fucking special because that's how I'm feeling right now. Ty's loving Ooh. it. Ty is loving it. I'm glad Ty's feeling good. That's important to me. <laughs> yeah, I know that, uh, you know, there were some overreactions on draft night. and No. Maybe. No. Maybe by Ty. I felt like he was, you know. Mad Mel. Did you see Mad Mel immediately or was it the next day? When did you see Mad Mel? <laughs> I don't know, man, but I love that. That was You guys were so good. On <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You guys were so funny. Thank you. Look, it has been three weeks. We've played... Uh, what I think are three good football teams. You know, obviously Detroit had a win against undefeated uh, Arizona, who beat San Francisco in week one. Detroit obviously had Chicago on the ropes in week one. Probably could be two and one easily. Uh, Minnesota has lost some really tough games besides ours. Obviously last week, you know, they were leading two scores at one point in that game. Um, You know, New Orleans is a good football team. They're going to be right there, I think, um, coming down the stretch. So I feel good about where we're at. Um, The way we've won is different. You know, Ty, you know this as well as any other Packer fan there's been some consternation about winning ugly last year you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of like the thing oh we're just we're, we're winning but it's ugly we're the worst 13 and 3 team in the history of the league oh, yeah. this blah 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 and I what do we do? kept saying hey it's all about winning right and, and the way we we're winning might not have been the prettiest but the fact that we we're winning mm-hmm. uh talked a lot about our character now what are we saying this year you know no you know now we're winning with offense, right? So there's consternation about how many points we're giving up or whatever. It's, just, it's always going to be something what? with all the pundits. Now that Pat and AJ are pundits as well, I'm sure they have their own theories and, and, and things they want to say about it. But the fact that, that we're winning is pretty pretty special. Obviously, Chicago's 3-0 and in our division as well. So um, like where we're at, I like uh, what we're doing. I think Sunday, I said it during the week, it was going to be a, a good measuring stick for us. Played a good football team. Uh, I know it was at their place. There's no no fans, but it's still, you know, it's still a road trip. It's a different environment, and the way that we played there, especially you know, really from the second quarter on, was uh, was really, really good winning football. We've been consternating about a lot of things over here, okay? Mm-hmm. What a word, by the way. I'm still not 100% sure what that means, but I am pumped that you used it on this show and thought this was the right crowd to use it with. <laughs> so that makes me feel good and the boys feel good. There was one other thing that I want to take away from the Saints game before we move on and talk about this Tennessee Titans situation and what you guys were told before the season started about this potential exact situation happening. I would like your take on that. But before we get to that, it said you and LaFleur kind of had a Zoom call 
and you guys eliminated plays that neither of you liked and just kind of got more dialed in in the offseason. I hadn't heard that from anybody else. They talked about that on Sunday night. Is that normal? Is that something that should be surprising to people, or was that just kind of something you and LaFleur were like, this is probably what we should do. Let's figure out what we both like and move forward with it. Well, I think – I mean, I don't know how normal it is, but uh, there's not a lot of kind of quarterbacks uh, my age with, with young coaches. If you think about a lot of the uh, situations with older quarterbacks, um, you know, Tommy's with uh, with Bruce, who's been a head coach for a long time, um, Ben and, and Mike Tomlin, Drew and Sean Payton. Um, you know, I think – it was important for both of us, me to grow and get accustomed to a new system, and Matt to, you know, take some input from uh, myself, uh, who's been around it for a long time. And it was a, it was a beautiful blending of ideas and creativity. Um, and I think that's what we were trying to figure out the first year was who do we have personnel-wise? Uh, how can we fit this new scheme and a couple of the things we did well over the years into the system? And this off season, we just went back through every play and and uh, you know the install phase and how we wanted to kind of go about um, putting concepts together and putting actions together and uh, just the teaching process. And I thought it was streamlined really, really well. And yeah, we took some plays out that you know that maybe it worked in in the, the system at various times in, in previous stops with Matt, but maybe we just don't have the personnel to to make that work or, or the type of guys that uh, that we want running certain concepts or routes and you know, I felt like that was just really good for us we really streamlined all the reads um, and the progressions which progressions are not just for quarterbacks they're they help the receivers out as well because it lets them understand mm. where I'm at in the progression is the timing at which I need to be open on my route and I think uh, we just kind of took the football IQ up a little bit with our uh, you know with our creativity and our meetings to where I feel like the teaching and the concepts and the installs were just really in a good place for the guys to learn it and understand it and uh, to kind of take a step in, in the football IQ part, which I think was really important for our guys. That had to be pretty empowering for you to have that conversation where it's like, hey, listen, hate it. Uh, and also, if we're going to do it, let's do it this way. And then for him also to be like, hey, I think you could be good at this if we do this. That's an empower- That's not a normal conversation. Nobody's calling me into the thing whenever I'm on the team saying, hey, Pat, I- you think we're teaching this right? No, I think it's stupid. We can do that. All right, get the fuck out of the building is what I would be told. So I- that has to be pretty empowering for you. And then let's go to the Tennessee Titans situation. And AJ, I'm sorry for this. But the Tennessee Titans situation is such a- an anomaly of a situation that we haven't seen ever in the NFL. We're about to postpone a game, potentially. Teams aren't allowed in their building until Saturday, allegedly. Did you guys know that this was potentially going to be the protocol for if a team has an outbreak? And how much will this affect the Titans not being in the building Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday for a game on Sunday against the Steelers? Yeah, I mean, Pat, I just saw that. I'm not sure what that means, you know, entirely from not being in the building. I would assume they're going to try and do some sort of Zoom meetings uh, to put some sort of install in. You know, we talked about the possibility of this and, and what could what could happen, what it would look like. Because of the trackers that we're wearing and uh, the way that they're, uh, you know, delivering information based on who you're in contact within six feet and the number of seconds and all this, you know, analytical data, uh, I would assume that there was just a lot of people affected, you know, in those numbers. 
you know, so you had three guys test positive, like eight people test positive, I guess. Yeah. And those eight people must have been in the close proximity of so many people that uh, it must have been best just to to wait. I, I don't understand that we're, what are we at Tuesday here? Why it's uh, Saturday? Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. This is a, definitely a barometer for the rest of the league. Should something like this happen again? The Vikings obviously were played the Titans, so they have to do some sort of uh, stay out of the building as well. I believe. I'm not sure, Pat. You might know. I haven't uh, I haven't heard about that. But but yeah, this is uh, an interesting you know kind of pivot point for the league hopefully uh you know we don't have more than those eight guys test positive um but we'll see what happens how do you think you guys would do if you did have like a, a virtual week right now like the titans may have and then come in saturday maybe have a little walk through and play on sunday how do you think it would it would work out Body-wise, feel pretty good. At it. <laughs> yeah, but I think it'd be hard because you know those reps on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday are so important for us because you're really going through the plan and do I like this? Do I not like this? What footwork do I want to use on this? Uh, and then you, you know, you it's not just the live reps but the walkthrough reps. You know, being able to see plays with different coverages is so important to giving you a positive picture when you break the huddle to feeling good about the play that's called. So it'd be it'd be strange for sure. I mean, I've played before without practicing. Uh, it's not easy, you know, because you, you know, timing everything is just a tad bit off. You don't have those uh, those reps to kind of fall back on. But, yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing, Age, to think about is Tennessee is not playing Minnesota this week. Uh, you know, Minnesota uh, is playing Houston, I believe. I'm not sure who Tennessee plays. But Steelers. definitely I would think an advantage for – uh, the opponents of those two squads this week. Steelers. Steelers are who they're playing. That particular D-line there. And I don't know if I asked you this last week or not, but whenever – you've had zero sacks so far this season. I don't, I'm, two. Huh? Two. Uh, pro football focus said zero. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, pro football focus. No, no, no. Don't no, don't pass them. They named me punter of the decade. We need them not to go anywhere. They need to exist. They named me punter of the decade, so we have to hold on to that company and not – you know what I mean? Like, we need them to exist so I can – I just said pro football focus. I didn't say anything else. Your delivery. Nice. Your delivery nice. was very, very interesting. All right, so I'm not even going to ask about that. We'll just keep it moving uh, in a different fashion. When you watch Patrick Mahomes play football, okay – You've seen him act. You guys are great at acting. Oh, yeah, right you guys are great. I mean, we have a great yes, slew of NFL quarterbacks doing good acting right now. You, uh, you, you even had a good reaction whenever – I forgot that that ball – because once I see you throw that ball away from the dog, I immediately turn my attention to how heartbroken the yeah. dog has oh, to be. Crushed. I don't even think about the potential window that you broke where they shouldn't have been staying in their happy Gilmore situation. You have good reaction <laughs> acting, which is very nice. But when you see Patrick Mahomes play, okay, and I'm not going to say it's just because you're on the show, but – very reminiscent of Aaron Rodgers style of football, right? That is very, very reminiscent to Aaron Rodgers style of football. Making plays out of nothing, absolute cannon of an arm, dissecting defenses. Whenever you see Patrick Mahomes play, like last night, for instance, they said he struggled against the Chargers or whatever, and then you watch that game last night. What do you think when you watch like the next generation of guys? Is there any thoughts for you, or is it just like, yeah, he's good at football, or do you look even deeper than that? Well... First of all, I'm just so happy that uh, all the pets, again, I want to say, were involved with those commercials <laughs> safe. We are not certain of that. We are and not. happy as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I had nothing, you know, as far as I know. They're doing great. 
Um, I'm a I'm a I'm a Pat Mahomes fan. I, I really am. I I enjoy watching him play. I enjoy his demeanor. Um, I think he's a fun guy to be around. Um, he's got a you know he's got a lot of character, um, and he's super, supremely talented. You know, I enjoy enjoy watching him play. I think you know there's always it's always fun watching kind of the next group of guys come up and seeing how they play and. Um, you know, I, I've said it before with all with the utmost amount of respect, and I'm not going to say something derogatory here, which a lot of times people do when they say with all due respect. <laughs> but, um, That's what that statement's for, by the way, is to yeah, drop yeah. a hammer right after that. Uh, you know, I, I do see similarities uh, in our games. You know, I feel like um, being able to move in the pocket, being able to run around, throw on the run, uh, adjust things in the last scrimmage, um, you know, uh, be able to make all the throws on the field. Um, it's impressive. You know, it's, it is it is impressive. I think he's, you know, he's put together a, a really nice start to his career, um, and I enjoy watching. I, I enjoy watching Lamar as well. I enjoy watching him in college. Uh, he does things on the field that uh, nobody since Michael Vick has done as far as his athleticism. You know, there's last even last night. There's times they're not blocking guys and leaving a free edge guy, and it's almost like. A, it doesn't matter to him because the guy's not making the play. <laughs> now they locked down on the back end pretty solid last night when he was able to, to really get free uh, and was a thrower. But uh, you know he's a special type of athlete, and and you're seeing more and more guys in the league who are having success and being able to use their legs. When I first got in the league, it was a lot of you know more stationary guys. It was prototypical you know six five guys uh, who you know who were pocket passers and there weren't a lot of guys like myself um you know even when i grew up watching football steve young was anomaly because just guys didn't play like that randall cunningham you know and then michael vick um you just didn't have a lot of guys who, who were able to use their legs and there's been i'd say a lot more in the last decade of guys playing who use their legs who can be pass first guys out of the pocket but are also you know extremely talented uh you know, extended plays, scramble for first downs, and, and making big plays. Last week, Pat had a, you know, I think they had like a third and 20 against the Chargers, and he, uh, you know, he scrambled around and, and stepped in the pocket and took off, and, you know, it was, it was like a 21-yard gain for a first down. Probably the most underrated play of that game was that his ability to extend the play, to use his legs and get a first down, and that's, you know, I had, uh, you know, a little old guy. Uh, special uh, Sunday night. And then we had third and 12. I got out of the pocket and got 13. You know, got a little explosive run. <laughs> hey, you looked athletic, dude. Sneaky athlete, obviously. Crafty, yeah. first in, last out type of guy. But you looked fast. You looked good out the there. You know, if, I, if if Lazard could have just given me a block, I had vision. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, we've heard uh, Pat Mahomes say his first year starting, he didn't even really understand how to read coverages. I'm just curious what your knowledge and understanding of the game is now compared to when you came in the league. Well. Oh, there's that water. Jesus. We've been hearing it the whole fucking time. I wish it was purple. You know, like my <laughs> that I've been drinking on the sidelines. Uh, out of a Gatorade bottle. 
Uh, yeah, I can't wait to get that Pedialyte. Uh, maybe we can do a, a, a co-sponsor. Both of us get sponsored. Oh, yeah. Oh. Listen, if we get a Pedialyte deal, I've been begging for it since mm-hmm. I'm probably 18 years old at this point. I'm all in. And if I need to ride to Aaron Rodgers' coattails into Pedialyteville, I am flying high, pal. Hell yeah. I mean, I think you and I can do that. AJ can get that green shit he used to drink all the time that made him smell <laughs> as you could possibly imagine. Um, I don't know what that was. I mean, he's still, I'm sure he's like on his third spark of the day. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and he's probably pissed twice underneath that desk. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. We heard it. We yeah. heard it a little bit ago, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you heard I'm not exactly sure what the question <laughs> was, Pat. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's a like, defense. Your knowledge of the game. Your knowledge com- from when. Oh, you got knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Till now, like, did you um, know? Could you read defense? I think when you got to the league. Hey, sorry, I had to bury AJ real quick, and then <laughs> if we could repeat the question, please, I would appreciate that. It's all false. <laughs> Look, Age, I don't think I've, there's a lot of looks that I haven't seen. And that's, that's the beauty. And the recall is so important in our position, being able to remember things and looks that happened years ago, a decade ago, um, in, in a moment. The league is a cyclical league. Things come back all the time. Um, you know, there's, I'm sure there's things that I saw early in my career that are going to start making its way back. Um, you know, there's trends that happen. I've seen a lot of trends on both offense and defense over my time. I mean, remember when the Wildcat was going crazy and Miami ran it and beat, you know, New England with Ronnie Brown, you know, throwing passes and running the ball and giving it to Ricky Williams. And uh, it's just a plant, by the way. And, you know, all the things. That, hey, bingo. Uh, hey, vitamins. Vitamins, by the way. All the things that we've seen over the years. Obviously, with Seattle and the Legion of Boom and their one high defense that so many, so many teams have run. You know, there's just so many things that I've seen. It's it's really hard to 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 get surprised. Now there's there's every now and then you see a look that's totally different, or somebody disguised something that's that's really different. But um, there's just a comfort level that I've seen so many looks that I feel like I can uh, make the right reactions in in real time and um, just kind of rely on those those experiences and those memories. Let's go to a phone call before we let you go. You want Roscoe or John? Ooh. Roscoe. Yeah, sure. for sure. Roscoe in Louisville. What's going on, pal? Hey, man. Uh, first of all, Aaron, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Instant Dream. I'm sure to talk to you, so I appreciate you taking my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Dream maker. Uh, yeah, you are. Um, well, I'll, I'll keep it light. Me too. Simple like question. I know you're a fan of Game of Thrones and Afterlife shows I love. What other show out there should I be watching? I know you like the shows I like. What other show should I be watching? I mean, I would say The Office. If you haven't seen The Office, it's just thanks. It's the show that would get they would get uh, canceled by cancel culture probably within the first couple episodes. I'm joking. It doesn't. Um, okay, but it's uh, never watched. I think it's it's phenomenally done. The British Office is what I first got into with Ricky Gervais. I'm a big big Ricky fan. There's two only two seasons, like many of his shows, um, and they're absolute gold. Uh, I was a little adverse to the American office at first just because I was such a fan of the British office. I didn't think there's any way they could do it justice, but they did. <laughs> and it's a phenomenal show. Um, so I've, I like it. I think I said it, I don't know if it was on this one or a different, uh, oh, wow. different episode. It probably wasn't this show because this show has been by far my favorite thing of the week. Yeah! That's what we're waiting for. Woo! Woo! But I did say that, you know, I've been, I've been watching the office multiple times through and, it holds up every single time through. You and need to watch I, Ted Lasso. The more, I watch it, the more I become a fan of Robert California. Yes. I don't know who the hell that is. I've never seen The Office, but you need to watch Ted Lasso. 
Ted Lasso. I heard. I heard. It's it's a what's his name doing the soccer coaching? Mm-hmm. Football, but yeah, you're Ted Lasso. Jason's Jason is. I know him. I once saw him off Broadway. Uh, <laughs> no big deal. Suds. Cultured dude. Cultured dude. Jersey Boys. Uh, no, it was. Um, what's that movie? Robin Williams teaches the kids. Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society. No big deal. Yeah. I'm cultured. How you doing? Keep it moving. Um, before we let you go, I'm sorry, AJ. We have to let him go. We have to get to a break. Literally, um, I read an article. A couple of them. These got sent to me whenever. People found out that you're coming on every Tuesday. That I have to ask. Uh, what's that? What's that? His hands? I'm just talking to Aaron. Yeah, keep going. I just want to know about the alien thing. You, so everybody tweeted me because you and I share very similar views on a lot of things, it sounds like. Uh, Ricky Gervais, The Office, Life, Dropping Dime Socket Signs. And by the way, UFOs, I am all in. This was a big story in your life because I get tweeted it probably, I don't know, 15 times a day. Ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him. What is your UFO experience? This is unbelievable. I'm, every night I go out looking for one. Literally, I'm always like, ah, come on. Let me see something. Let me get, to, let me get it on camera. Let's have a night together, you and I. You gotta, you gotta call him in. Did you not watch uh, CE Five? <laughs> what do I gotta say? I, I want Bigfoot hunting, and they told me just to yell as loud as I can. I want Bigfoot hunting with a deaf guy. By the way, <laughs> Bigfoot hunting is like ninety percent audio, so going with a deaf guy is a problem. But if you want to tell me how I can call in an alien, I am here for it. That can't be a real story. Real story. It was in the hills of Georgia. He had Confederate flags all over him. It was kind of a sketchy situation. We went out into the woods. They had a Bigfoot collar. We didn't see shit or hear a damn thing. And the deaf guy has never heard a thing. <laughs> Anyways, let's get to the UFOs. Can we please? There's a, there's a documentary called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, I believe. It's it's about this organization that came out during quarantine that goes out and does these like uh, circles where they call in UFOs. And they have video of it and all these different things. Anyway, long before this happened, 15 years ago, and I told this story on the Nervous Podcast with Pete Holmes, comedian friend of mine, um, but I told a story about how I was in New Jersey with a teammate of mine, Steve Levy, and Steve has been asked, to, after I shared this uh, on the podcast five years ago or so, he's been asked to verify my story, and thankfully he did. Um, Steve. But it was him and his brother at their house in Jersey, and in uh, we saw a, a crazy thing in the sky that uh, filled up most of the vantage point that we had. Uh, it was a snowy night. It was orange and moving in the clouds from uh, from left to right. And the bizarre part that associated that was attached to it was that after it went out of sight and we were frozen, looking at each other, wondering what the hell just happened. We about thirty seconds after that, we heard fighter jets. And you know if you've seen a, f- a flyover or you watch Top Gun or you've you know oh, yeah. been to an air show, you know what that sounds like—the sound of a plane zipping by. Um, it's un- you know undeniable. And there were three of them that seemed to be chasing whatever this was. Oh my! Um, God. I'm so jealous. And after that, I really got into researching that because we had this story that we couldn't explain it wasn't in the papers the next day it wasn't the papers the day after that that was never really talked about and so it was just something that i definitely got into and was interested more in and I've done some research over the years uh had some other interesting experiences as well but that was probably the most uh, vivid and uh expansive uh interaction that uh never got uh, talked about or explained. What are those other interesting experiences? Well, that's for another time, Pat. No! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a man wow. who has... I'm so jealous of this. 
won a Super Bowl. I'm so jealous of this. A man who is potentially the best human to ever play the position he plays in the biggest league in the world, and a man who has seen a UFO in fighter just ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah! Thank you, man. Thanks for those exclusive stories that we won't hear ever. Have a good one, bub. So sorry to interrupt. I want to let you know that we spend a lot of time on our beds. Yeah. Okay. The average person, I think it's like eight hours a day is on their bed. Mm. Quick math. That's 25% of your life being spent on a bed. And whenever you need a new bed, there's always this incredibly uncomfortable process. This archaic process, especially now in the world that we're in with COVID just flying around all over the place, where you have to go to a mattress store, where there's like a car salesman or car sales lady just sitting there at the front, waiting to prey on your uncomfort or discomfort to see if you wanna spend too much money on a bed that is nowhere near as comfortable in real life as it is in that store. You have to roll around in other people's sweat, maybe their kids poop, and you have to see if that mattress is comfortable for you. And immediately upon laying on it, they're like, well, these particular springs are last 15, 20 years, or this memory foam was crafted in a blah, blah, blah. And you're laying there and you're wondering to yourself, is it actually comfortable or am I comfortable right now because I want to get out of this situation? Well, Eliminate all of that because with Lisa, the most comfortable mattress you've ever laid on shows up at your doorstep. No weird in-person experiences. No wondering whether the bed is going to be as comfortable at your house as it is in the store. None of that. All with convenience. Shows up in a box at your doorstep. You open the box, unwrap the bed, you put it in place. And that takes you less than four minutes to do. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have the most comfortable bed you've ever laid in because scientists and research has been put into this to make sure that every body type loves the mattress that comes. We all sleep on a Lisa mattress in this yep. uh, office. We all have all fallen deeply in love. And right now, they have incredible deals across the board at lisa.com, L-E-E-S-A.com. You can get up to $150 off the original mattress, up to $250 off their hybrid mattress, which is like a hot cold type thing, up to $350 off their legend mattress, plus a free organic sheet set with each purchase at lisa.com. Most comfortable beds available, convenience right at your doorstep, unboxing or takes less than five minutes, bingo, bango, best bed you've ever had in your life, lisa.com, L-E-E-S-A.com. Sa.com. Sleep nice, sleep tight, sleep convenient with a great deal from our friends at Lisa.com. L-E-E-S-A.com. Back to the show. We're being joined by a man whose voice reigns supreme on NFL on Fox. When he talks about the officials, we all listen. Ladies and gentlemen, the electric Mike Pereira. Yeah! Hey! boy, Mike. You know, I'm just, I have to tell you, I've made some decisions and I'm just happy now. Um, you know, it all's about love and oh. things are falling in place. Oh. Don't you and, dare. And I don't, I don't, you know, I just don't care about past interference calls that are made. No. Come on. Come on. I, I don't. I don't, I don't care that people try to interrupt me on a cell phone. <laughs> when I'm on with Pat McAfee. Excuse I mean, me. If I'm on with Mad Dog, that's okay. But not oh, Chris Mad Dog Russo didn't deserve it. Mike, thanks for joining us. I, it is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, so I'm happy you and him share a mindset together. Man. Man. I, honestly, to, can I just say, I so enjoyed watching him play the other night. Oh. I mean, just to see him smile and 
look at like with the floor point it, it just he's having so much fun and i just i love that type i don't really like the choreographed stuff at the end of plays i just like smiles and things like it was great to watch yeah. I, it seems genuine, Mike. It really does. And that's why yeah, when we got to that in the conversation last Tuesday, which we'll probably dive in a little bit more here in hour three of today's show with Aaron Rodgers on Aaron Rodgers Tuesday being joined by Mike Pereira, legendary ref. Whenever he started talking about how he started looking inside and being like the best version of himself, I was like, this guy might not get stopped this year. Like, Because when you're happy, I feel like you perform your best, Mike. I, I, that's just how I feel. To me, when you're happy and healthy, let, let's throw in the health issue. But I always said that to officials. You must be healthy. Mike. You have to be. Mike. Because if you think about the fact you don't feel good, you can't perform at your optimum level. Mike, I believe I was healthy before your ringer just blew a hole in my eardrum <laughs> right there in the back of your statement right there, Mike. The, um... They must have known. They're, they know I'm on your show. They're just so excited. Okay, you won't hear it again. Mike, we're excited, too. Uh, um, let's talk about the officiating. So you read off a stat, I believe it was last Thursday night. And by the way, they just let you kind of have your own little piece there at the jump. And I was pumped yep. for you. I'm like, okay, here we go, Mike. And you delivered it well. It was like you're the host of the show. You talked about how less flags are being thrown this year than definitely last year, but in a long time. And did I hear the number right? 170-some holds to compare to 50-some this year? Or did I get that number wrong? 59 compared to 175, Ooh. I think it was, in the area of holding, which, by the way, you know, it really leads to more offense. It does because you don't have as many offensive holding penalties. Um, but you know, I, I I like it. You know, it's the they they the, the officials were so at a disadvantage coming into the season because they had no preseason, they had no training camp, they had no in person clinic, and they had eleven brand new officials that haven't worked on this level at least in the regular season ever. So it, to me. Uh, I was really concerned about how they would react. But the direction that the league gave them, I thought was very interesting because they said, make your foul calls clear and obvious. Um, so in other words, especially if you're a new guy, don't worry about throwing if you're not really sure, um, you know, make them clear and obvious. And so obviously they have. And then, you know, I said it before the game on Thursday night. The only reason I got some airtime, it was Thursday night football on NFL Network, not on Fox. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 thing is, going into this week, I thought, okay, we're going to probably see the uh, numbers tick up in week three. Holy mackerel, did they tick down? Um, Ooh, oh. Which I don't know about the basic general fan, but to me, I like football that way. Mm. Um, I like it with less interruptions. I like it with less what I would call iffy type of foul call. So they have followed the mandate. And I think they have performed well. They will always make some mistakes. It's impossible not to. They have made some um, administrative errors that involve replay that could involve replay that they haven't corrected. But I think they'll they'll get to that. But um, overall, I I think Pat, they're doing. I think they're doing a better job than I expected them to do. Not just a better job than you expected. I think a better job than we've seen in some years. And I think that clear and obvious and egregious call is that something I hope. 
this is something that the NFL carries into it because I think the narrative is as soon as you see a couple of those calls get called and then we can zoom in on it. It's like what a, you start to think like, oh, this ref wants the game to be about them as opposed to the game itself. Is that a is that a narrative that is misfounded or do you think there are some refs out there that are like, OK, I want people to know that even if it's a ticky tack thing, I see I see all out here. I get my I'm a guy or a lady on the field that if I see any little bit of something, I want people to know I'm the best ref there is. Is there a little bit of that or do you think just some guys and girls in a moment, they're just like, oh, I think it's a call? No, I, I listen. I, I think that, you know, you go through stages in an official, you know, and I think it's hard in this league, you know, when you that's so fast compared to like the college football. I think what happens is, is that when you first get in, you don't see anything because it's at a speed like you've never seen before. And then you get to another level where actually you see everything and you call everything. And then you finally get to that great level where you see everything, but know what needs to be called and what doesn't need to be called. None of them really want to be part of the story. I mean, the only ones I might say might be one part of the story are the ones that do the Ed Hockley buffer. So, you know, when television gets on, them, they'll say, man, look at the guns on that guy. And now everybody that has guns after Ed Hockley is emulating Ed Hockley. And, and so, you know, they, they, they bring some focus on of attention onto themselves, which Mike, I'm not sure Mike, 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 you are blowing out eardrums across the world because you're saying such incredible things. But oh. that text message, you I think you got two of them, by the way. They're probably great messages. I would assume they're from Fox. Saying, I'm glad you, let me just say this. I'm glad you can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> We can hear him. The um, the thought. I don't know how to stop that, but you know, Mike, quit sending me text messages. Anybody? Okay, doesn't matter, Mike. There's by the way, nobody's watching this, so the fact we're listening, so it's not that big. Congratulations, by the way, on this gig that you have now. This is a terrific new uh, platform for you, which you deserve because your shows are fantastic. Well, Mike, I appreciate that. Means a lot. Uh, Yeah, we. Sirius has been so nice to us. They helped us out with a lot. Obviously, we got a phone line. But the, the serious listeners right now are probably like, hey, listen, if that bell hits in my house or my car again. How do you turn it off? That's my sister telling me that the tree just fell down behind our house. Oh, no. Tree's falling over there. The sound was unbelievable. They're taking all these... Uh, liquid uh, ambers or whatever down on our, on our property here and they hit with the thud and my sister's like five feet away and so she's saying i we need to get up for one of the fires everybody's evacuating from fires around us but you know now with falling trees we gotta get out of here but anyways i'm sorry no to put up with the things Forget no yeah don't be sorry at all it's uh just a what do you think of the interference call in buffalo bullshit i thought I, I assume you thought the same exact thing that's one of those calls where i don't know if it's egregious i don't know if that's egregious enough to call in that situation because you are determining the game right there and you have to know you're determining the game right so what if you're determining the game i mean if you get roughed as a kicker and it with on the on the last you know, the last drive of the series and you get called for roughing the kicker. Should it not be called because it's near the last play of the game? I think you have to interject yourself into plays that do matter and not, not call something that you would have called earlier in the game. And, and I, I like the call and still like the call remembering of course the point of emphasis on the league is Point of emphasis is illegal contact and defensive pass interference. And to me, the receiver takes an inside, goes inside off of the uh, snap, 
And Williams engages him beyond five yards, doesn't let him. He tries to get back to the outside to where the ball gets thrown, but he can't because Williams is still riding him and the ball's in the air and it's pass interference. I, I, I applaud the officials for stepping up and make the call. I like that a hell of a lot better, quite frankly, than doing what they did in the Rams-Saints game in the championship game where the, the Rams didn't get called for defensive pass interference because – Maybe that official at the end of the game swallowed the whistle and didn't make the call. But um, it has all the ingredients of defensive pass interference. And to me, as I said on my tweet, I couldn't wait to go on your show and see what you thought of it. The (laughs) kicker's perspective (laughs) doesn't play well with me. Well, uh, to be honest, to be completely fair, I think what you just said there really laid it out in a beautiful fashion. I didn't even think about the ref instead of swallowing the whistle at the end and letting the players make the play on the field, which is what punters do all the time, by the way, is just kind of step off and let the players make the play. I... I guess I can respect saying, hey, it doesn't matter if it's the last play, if it's the first quarter, we're going to call this game the exact same way. I just thought that it wasn't as egregious as you were th- laying it out as, but if you think he was supposed to break outside and he did, it was more than five yards, to me it looked like it was at that five, like .5, maybe 5.9 yard range, which there is sometimes a little bit of a halo. He engaged him legally first within five, but yeah. then he rode him beyond, you know, and I – Holy, what's my again? No tree should remain on the ground. It's getting oh my god! Oh <laughs> no, my I'm sick of that. And these trees didn't do anything except drop a few <laughs> and now they're being cut down. We're not like protecting ourselves against fires here, but uh, you know, I, I look at it really. Here's the way I look at these things um, if. And let's say I would go back to what I used to do, which is grading games, the way that the NFL grades games in uh, New York. If that had not have been called, would I have downgraded the official for not calling it? And the answer to me is yes, because it had to be called. And if he didn't make that call for pass interference, there would be the equal uproar in Buffalo saying, why wasn't at least coming from the Bills uh, football team? They would be so. Why wasn't this called? This meets the requirement of the point of emphasis, and they would have a very strong point. So, um, while there seemed to be a lot of things I disagreed with, and I didn't make many fans in the New York office this past weekend, but it wasn't that one. I think that was the right call. Do you? I, I don't even want to ask you if you get any messages from them because I would assume they don't. I would assume that you do. <laughs> why do people say I don't want to ask you, and then they go ahead and ask you? I don't. Well, because I didn't want your answer. I was just going to say that I probably should. I was just trying to display the fact that I should have asked you that question, but I'm choosing not to because I don't want you to dive into that conversation because I get messages from people, much like I just got from you about that pass interference call, about things that I say. So I, I very much respect your entire uh, secrecy there. But let's let's move past that. The point of emphasis thing is a massive part of the game because in, in the NFL, you have a Wednesday team meeting or maybe Thursday or Friday, I forget what day it was, but an entire video will be shown of, hey, this is this week's point of emphasis. So if it's offensive holding, like the entire offensive line knows, like, okay, if this is what the point of emphasis is, the refs are going to be looking to make these calls because the refs then are in good graces with the people who are deciding what the point of emphasis are. Now, I don't want to say like cops, I think there's there's the old thing like if you get as many speeding tickets in a, in a week or in a month, there's a query you have to get to, you get a bonus. But it does feel like for those points of emphasis, refs, if they call a call that is the point of emphasis, it's almost like they're given a bonus by the NFL. And if you said that defensive pass interference was the point of emphasis, I'm surprised we didn't see a bunch of flags then this past weekend for that. 
Well, it's illegal contact is really the point of emphasis. And then it turns into it, it turns into defensive pass interference when the ball is in the air. By the way, is, is there any way you can move my picture back a little bit? Because I have a sty on the <laughs> Can you see it? It's no. really, honestly. Oh, yeah. Oh, Put a hot rag yeah. on that thing. If yeah. anybody if anybody has any tips other than, like, warm compresses, let me know. <laughs> Listen, so, the, the I, hey, hold on. Is, hold on. We just got a we just got a, a message from the back there that it knows a, a deep uh, medicine. What did you say? Yeah, yeah, Mr. Pereira. For uh, I, I I had styes. Why are you calling me Mr. Pereira? Oh, well, Mike, <laughs> Mike to Mike then. So, uh, cool tea bags. Steep a tea bag and cool and uh, oh, warm water. Somebody, Somebody oh. did tell me that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if I take a little break, I'll come back with the tea bag. Doug, <laughs> a tea bag. Mike, okay. right, what you- let, me, let, me, let me go back and answer your question because it was a really good question. <laughs> Points you. of emphasis are much more important to me than rule changes. I mean, rule changes are usually a reaction to a play. What's the one of the, the two rule changes this year? It's a reaction to Bill Belichick you know, milking the clock outside of five minutes by taking two delay a game penalties and basically getting an extra 45 seconds off the clock when you were behind. So you make a rule change in you. And Frable. you stop. Frable yeah. uh, but in the playoffs, you make you make a point of emphasis out of legal, illegal contact or defensive pass interference or illegal helmet contact. And the officials are going to react to that. You're going to get more fouls in that area. So to me, it has a huge impact. Now, maybe the impact won't be felt as much this year because of the fact there was no in-person clinic. Everything was done on Zoom. Um, So we haven't certainly seen much of an uh, uptick in illegal contact calls. But, you know, to me, I always said, man, if you make like last year, remember, what was the first where was what was the first point of emphasis last year? Offensive holding on the backside. So what happened was. Boom, 90 called in the first week. 90, 9-0 called in the first week. <laughs> this year in the first week, without offensive holding being a point of emphasis, how many were called? 20, 20 versus 90. Wow. So it, it, has, it has a huge effect. By the way, after two weeks last year, they had a conference call with the referees and say, whoa, 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 whoa. We're killing the game here. We're taking this too literal. But when you say it's a point of emphasis, that has a uh, that has a tendency to happen. Team. Can I like that Mike Pereira Wednesdays like there's Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> Ooh, Mikey. Wednesdays oh, are- wait a minute. I'm playing golf on Wednesday. Ah. <laughs> Can Aaron move to Wednesday? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll ask him for sure. Monday's overreaction Monday, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Wednesday is quite a dead. If yeah. you could find some time, maybe the 19th hole or something like that, that'd be fun. Oh, yeah. I'm, like the 19th hole for me, I actually play the 19th first. Before I- <laughs> <laughs> Me too, by the way. I think it makes you better at golf. What do you got coming? Hey, Mike, uh, Pat always talks about former players watching their specific position. As a former yeah. Hall of Fame referee, do you watch uh, refs uh, announce their calls and make their calls and critique them as they do it? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, listen, uh, I've become more of a fan of the game, but um, still not my like uh, regular fan. And it makes no difference, honestly, if it's football or the NBA or Major League Baseball. I oh. just watch officiating. I mean, it's ingrained in me. And and I watch the, the you know, I look at things differently now. Maybe I look at them like, would I have done something differently if I was still in charge? And like, I look at replay now and 
you know, it's just replays killing me, quite frankly. And it killed me last year. Thank God they got rid of this passive. No, 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 Mike, Mike, you just ran into a buzzsaw. No, 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 Mike, 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 Mike. No, no, no. It wasn't the concept. It was the execution. It wasn't the concept. It was the execution. People that should. Well, it was better. I know. I, I disagree with that because people always attacked Al Riveron. That was the wrong guy to attack. Oh, that was me. Oh, that was me. Who should I have been attacking? You should have contacted the per- the people that made the damn rule. No, no, Alberto Riveron's job is to execute no, the rules. No. You don't need to make up your own hey, rules, Al. This hey, isn't hey, the go. NFL. This is the NFL. Hey, go kick one into the kicking net. No. Oh, All right. Oh, yeah. That blow a whistle, swallow one, too. Shut up. You pretend like you're Al Riveron right now, okay? Just pretend. Okay. Go I'm with me here. blind. Go with me. Don't say anything. Okay, I'm the competition committee. Hey, Al. Okay, we're going to make this reviewable. Okay. Now, here's the deal. I want you to have a different standard for pass interference than the officials have. So even though by the officials, even though what is pass interference for them and is the right call or the wrong call, it has to be bigger than that. You have to go back and think about New Orleans and the Rams and how big that was. So if it's not huge like that, then you lay off of it and don't change your color. Don't. So now you get this standard, Al. By the way, he's Cuban. He's probably smoking a cigar. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. But um, so you get this standard that is different than what the officials have to call. So then you see a play and you go, OK, yes, it's interference, but is it big enough for what the competition committee wants me to call? He was doomed. No, he's not. And I've never felt dumber than I just felt there while I was imagining myself as that person. Everybody on earth agreed with every single call that he disagreed with. It just, it didn't make any sense to us. Now, granted. How'd you like to be a coach? Let's make, let's, let's be Tony Dungy. How about this? And Tony Dungy sends in a play and says, it should have been pass interference on uh, New England Whoa. 23. Whoa, probably. Whoa. You, get, yeah, probably. you get the response you get back from the league is, yeah, you're right, but it just wasn't big enough for yes. me to get involved in. What? <laughs> what if you're Tony Dungy? So I, I'm like. So is the execution. The of Al River on that. Well, I'm not, just because yeah. Alberto Riveron should have had some common sense. I mean, he's a good guy, okay? Amigo, I love him. A Cuban now, I love this guy, okay? <laughs> I'm a big – I assume he and I would have some cafe con leches together. Oh, yeah. We'd play some uh, some bones together. Ooh. I believe we'd probably smoke some cigars. We'd have a great hat together, okay? Oh, yeah. I would probably love Alberto Riveron outside oh, yeah. of the review booth. But last year, I feel like he absolutely butchered a great opportunity to make the game better because pass interference calls are 30, 40-yard penalties that completely changed the game. Okay, so you, here's the deal. If you'd have made the rule to say, if you're in New York and reviewing it, it's either pass interference or it's not, and forget about this different degree that you have to have, it would have worked. It would have worked. But they didn't do that. They didn't want him to get... So who do I hate? Roger? No, I think you got to look at the competition committee, right? You can't. Oh, I, mean, I, hate hate these committees, oh you know. I hate them. You know, yeah, you ought to go after those guys. All, all eight of them, or nine of them, or ten of them, whatever. 
<laughs> Scumbags. Alberto Riveron did not deserve everything that I gave him. Then well, the, he didn't. Okay. I, I, listen, I see what you you know. I, I see what you said about him. You're lucky the Cuban mafia didn't come after. Whoa! Don't no, you worry no. about that, pal. We got the Cuban mafia in the office oh, already. Yeah. Don't you worry about that. What do you got, Ty? Mike? What's the distinction for refs uh, between like letting a free play go uh, when a quarterback baits a team offside? Because I feel like Rodgers does that a lot, and it seems like half the time they give him the free play, and then half the time they blow it dead. It's just a matter of, and, and certainly Rodgers is so good at it, but it's a, it's a matter of, A, when the defense jumps, do they make contact? If it does, then it shuts down. It's a matter of, B, do they jump across to the, to the level to where they get even with the nearest offensive lineman? Um, and so if they get on that even plane, so therefore basically have a free shot at the quarterback, then it gets shut down and it's offside for that too. And then, of course, if they jump in, and an offensive lineman moves before the before the ball is snapped, then it becomes a neutral zone infraction. But I I kind of don't get the free play. I mean, the free play is not always a free play because yeah, it's a free play if you don't foul as the offense. Um, but if you commit like a personal foul on the offense um, on the play where somebody's jumped into the neutral zone, then it becomes and I don't want to test Pat's rule knowledge here. Off but it setting. becomes a five fifteen. So 515, the defense offside is a minor five. The offense uh, major is a is a major 15. So the five goes away and the 15 gets uh, penalized. So it's not always what? free. Did you get that, Pat? Not know that. Hmm? Good teams. I really that. thought that was an offsetting operation right there. It turns no, out it was a 515 down there. Not always. If well, I just a took a 420. Which, by the way, you can't have on a change of possession. So if it's a change of possession play, then they offset. It's why this rule book is just so easy to learn. Oh, yeah. Hey, Mike, uh, Cuban Zed here. Uh, by the way, we disown Al Riveron, wow. by the way. <laughs> but uh, for the Allen Robinson uh, touchdown that got turned you know, over, why did that happen? You're built like, you're built like Al Riveron. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my. See, is the chain? <laughs> huh? Mikey. Go ahead. What was your question? <laughs> Allen Robinson, what happened with that touchdown? I have no idea. I think I think Al Riveron made a terrible decision. No! Oh, wow. There it goes. Unbelievable. Um, oh. You know, to me he go to me he goes up in the air and he possesses the ball in the air, comes down to the ground, the defense then comes away with the ball. And to me the key on that one it was ruled on the field as a touchdown. Um, Al thought that there was clear video evidence that he didn't have control of the ball. Robinson didn't on the way down to the ground. Maybe, um, but I don't think it was clear and obvious. And if you were to go back and compare it in the Buffalo game to the Croft play, where the ruling on the field was an interception by the Rams, there was offensive pass interference, but Croft got the ball clearly first and then went to the ground. And to me, it was clearly a catch. And then they stayed with that one as an interception. So, um, listen, they, they he has his own reasons. He and Russell Yurk, his guy, they felt there that maybe the officials saw something that they couldn't Russell see. Um, but, you know, I, I, I get the fact that uh, in both those situations, I didn't really agree with the decisions. I, I know what they're thinking, and I always try to call them when I don't agree to see why, but th- their thinking really didn't didn't jive with what I think. You know what, Mike? Hey, good for you, Mike. Yeah, Mike. You hear yourself? You just disagreed with old Alberto Rivero, and that was really nice to hear a little a little uh, shred of truth. He can take that cigar and shove it up the hole. <laughs> <laughs>
Mike, but he likes good Cabernet. I like him. It's actually he's got he likes good Cabernet, and he actually bought once, you know, which impressed me. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Good, for good guy. Oh, he's the head. Yeah. Of course, he, he, he expensed it to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, rules expert for Fox, uh, NFL legend and OG body shamer. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Pereira. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. We appreciate you, bub. To join us to talk about the MLB success story from COVID traveling stadium outbreak because of a potential situation happening at a grocery store to games being postponed now to relatively quiet news cycle. Now we're in the playoffs. They start today, by the way. Just a heads up. Joining us now, our favorite baseball insider, the man himself, ladies and gentlemen, Jet Passon. Jet. Patches McAfee, by the way. I like the dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge there. That's what you got to do sometimes, by the way. You got to dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge your way through this incredible life. Um, Jet, was there any thought at the beginning of this baseball season that we would get to this point, which is, by the way, playoffs start today. Was there any thought early, especially when the Marlins have that outbreak and then I think the Cardinals had some and the Yankees did this? Did you or anybody in the baseball world have any thoughts that we could get to today, Jet? I think there were some people who were optimistic about it. And it's really interesting, actually, that we see this Titans outbreak right now on the day that baseball's starting its postseason. Because you brought it up with the Marlins and the Cardinals. Baseball's actually been through this before. And, you know, baseball was doing this differently than the NBA and the NHL, which were inside of their bubbles. I was talking with an official at the league yesterday, and he's like, the most fascinating part of this whole thing to me, the part that I did not expect was that we were going to be able to have players go home to their families and we didn't have any outbreaks beyond the Cardinals and the Marlins. Mm -hmm. And the NFL, you know, the NFL has seen how to deal with one of these. Major League Baseball set the standard. They put it in place. The protocol is there for the NFL to get through this. And it's interesting to see football fans reacting like, oh, my God, is this going to shut down the season? What does this do to football right now? Baseball showed you plow through it. And it's not necessarily the right thing to do. It's not necessarily the best thing to do. It's just what these leagues are going to do. And I think the NFL with the Titans is going to do the exact same thing. How about, though, the, the biggest difference, obviously, is that baseball could do double headers if they had to. The baseball yeah. could do seven innings. The baseball could cancel some of the games if they had to and not be able to make them up. For the NFL, you're not going to do that. So I, let's let's pipe down on baseball. <laughs> you know, no, let's, no, no. Hold on a second. No, hold on a second. Yeah, let's wow. pipe down on the MLB. No, no, why, hold on. why would the NFL not be down for canceling or postponing one game and going on winning percentage i know it's only 16 i understand it's a smaller sample size and a bigger deal but you're telling me that they're not going to do everything they can to get through this season you're telling me that they are going to brute force these games no if you gotta cancel a game pat you cancel a game deal with it it's not like it's not like you're it's not like you have fans in the stands and you're losing out on all that revenue if it's one game out of you know 500 in the inventory uh, I, don't, I don't think CBS or Fox or any of these uh, television networks that are broadcasting these games 
are going to ask for millions of dollars back just because they lost one game. Very valid, Jet. Very, very valid. But in the state of parity in competition, the Titans and Steelers is a rather paramount game in the AFC. I think it would cause quite a conversation, but you're 100% right. I think what the MLB did show in a trailblazing fashion is that you don't have to be in a bubble incomplete of season. Now, granted, two vastly different things. Who knows how the Titans outbreak happened? Nobody knows how it happened. I assume that story will roll out. Have you heard how the Marlins, how that particular outbreak happened, or has that story still been locked up? I've heard lots of things. I don't know. I don't know what's true exactly. And I'm not going to sit here and go and speculate (laughs) because that would not be the right thing to do. Professional journalists don't do that. If you, Patrick, want to go ahead and do it, you are well within your rights. But I will, I will say this. I will say this. The fact that the Marlins, the Cardinals and the Buffalo Blue Jays the, the three teams that had the most adversity of any in baseball this year are in the MLB playoffs among those 16 teams is kind of a testament to me to how resilient teams can be amid all of this. You know, you can have a COVID outbreak and still be a playoff team. You can spend your summer in Buffalo, which I have done, by the way, and which I enjoyed as a 19-year-old <laughs> who spent many a night crossing the border uh, having a couple of sips, uh, and I would love to say Ubering back, but Uber did not exist then, so we're not going to talk about that. No, yeah. But, uh, did you go to the mushroom you know, the bar up there? What's that? Did you ever go to the mushroom bar, Wild Mushroom, I believe is what it's called? I don't think I did. Uh, I may have, and I just don't remember. Oh. Right there, that That is very, very possible. There's a picture I of a 16-year-old to- Pat McAfee in there. Because uh, we used to frequent Niagara Falls as well from Pittsburgh. It was a four-hour drive. I think the I don't know if I'm sure if the place is still open or not. There's a picture of a 16-year-old Pat McAfee in there having the time of his life. I love Niagara Falls up there. Hold on, 16? How did you like? Were you just an, an adult-looking child, or did you have a really good face? Uh, cut to my brother's face real quick. This guy is uh, four years older than me. There, that is our faces look exactly the pretty damn near wow. similar at this point. Yeah. So I was Jason wow. McAfee for a long long time in canada and in america it was awesome but anyway yeah i was i was i was jonathan cromwell back in college <laughs> jonathan cromwell if you are watching the pat mcafee show right now thanks buddy really appreciate it. let's talk about the playoffs though because it's starting today i believe the cardinals and the who was the other team and the tigers were the only team that didn't play every game that they were scheduled to play or get them in did was that did that come up in any adversity talk that they weren't able because i remember the Sky was falling when some players yes. or some teams weren't going to be able to play 60. Turns out only two teams weren't able to. Did they make it in? What's a big matchup? Who's the favorite right now? I know nothing about what's going on in the baseball world, and I kind of – I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I know nothing what's going on in baseball right now. Hey, hey Pat, that's why I'm here. Yeah! Yeah! Jet, that's why you. that's why earlier today someone tweeted at me hey when are you going to be on the pat mcafee show <laughs> that's true and and i said i sent you that tweet when am i going to be on the pat mcafee show and you facetimed me and i felt really good it looks like you were in a coffee shop you were in your office mm-hmm. it's a pretty good space right now <laughs> a lot of millions of dollars to buy you that space i'm down with it mcafee well, well done this as for the state of baseball cheap. right now <laughs> i'm going to try and go over <laughs> i'm going to try and go over all the things you talked about uh, Cardinals and Tigers uh, did not need a tiebreaker because, as MLB determined, uh, you needed to go only if uh, somebody couldn't make the playoffs 
because the Cardinals didn't make those games. Instead, it was just about seeding, and so they didn't play those makeup games against the Tigers, which were scheduled for Monday. Uh, favorite in Major League Baseball right now, gotta be the Los Angeles Dodgers, forty-three and seventeen during the regular season. They are stacked in their lineup, they're stacked in their bullpen, they're stacked in their rotation. They are the team to beat and to do it for the first time since nineteen eighty-eight, when Kirk Gibson limped around the bases after homering off of Dennis Eckersley. Best series. I like the Braves versus the Reds. The Braves offense is nasty. Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna, uh, Dansby Swanson, Travis Darno, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. You can go on and on. And then with the Reds, you've got Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray. Maybe the best one, two, three starting punch. And remember, Pat, these wild card series that we have, eight of them over the next four days are three-game series. Oh! Every pitch counts! Every pitch does. Did you say what I think you said? Counts, right? Counts. 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 Okay. I'm going to skip that one. Pittsburgh. Um, American League. Yankees. If I'm I'm a Yankees fan, I'm a little worried right now, Pat. Tonight we've got Garrett Cole against Shane Bieber. Quite a 7 o'clock Eastern, ESPN. Uh, Bieber has been the Garrett Cole of the 2020 season. Best pitcher in baseball this year. Going to win the American League Cy Young. And if they go down one nothing, uh, the most interesting number about the Yankees this year, against teams that are 500 or better, the New York Yankees are 10-17. and 17. They oh, beat up on the Red Sox. They, they beat up on the Orioles. Oh, and they were mediocre yes. against everyone else. Oh, yeah. my God, Jet. That's a heartbreaker for Ty. I did not know that the Yankees stink. I kind of wish we been... I kind of wish we'd been following along with that storyline. Can we talk about your Reg Trevor Bauer? What's this bubble talk that he's not happy about? Trevor Bauer Power Hour put out a tweet last night or two nights ago, I'm not 100% sure, yeah. that basically said the bubble's a bunch of lies. you got random people walking around the hotel. Are they in a bubble for this particular time, or is he talking about a bubble in the future potentially? Trevor's, Trevor's always aggrieved. It's part of his charm. You know, if Trevor's not angry at something, he no, I'm serious. If Trevor's not, like, angry at something, he's not motivated. And if he's not motivated, then he can't go out and do what he's done, which is win the National League Cy Young this year. Woo! So, uh, and, Bauer. And, 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 and angry Trevor Bauer is fine with me. He's going to complain about things. I tell him all the time. He complains too much. He likes complaining. It's okay. Like, we, we got to complain sometimes. There you go. Well, Look listen, tweet. if the families can't stay with players at our hotel, it's supposed to be a bubbly. Oh, bubble. Yet random members of the community can stay there. The bubble theoretically is supposed to start not in this round during the wild card, Pat, but it's going to be starting when the Reds go to uh, if they win, go down to Texas and. Uh, I believe they would go to Houston, and that's where the bubble is supposed to start. Jet, we can't thank you enough for joining. Will you come back and join us uh, throughout this playoff run? Because there is, I don't know, next to no high chance we're going to watch and want to talk about it. Oh, yeah. High chance we're going to want to talk about it with you. I think that's a great idea, and I'm holding you to that, by the way. You Not almost, on Mondays. Can't have you, you on Mondays. almost stepped in there. Tuesday, hey, can't have, you, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. can't have you on Mondays. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, good days for Jet Passing, though. Tuesday, hold on, Wednesday. hold on. Can I, can I be the lead-in to Aaron Rodgers at some point? Uh, oh. You kind of are right now if this yeah. was to go for another 46 minutes. Or two. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Which, I mean, I feel, I feel like we have to have a crossover. Like, I, 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 let's put it this way. If you put me on with Rogers, I will grow a terrible mustache. 
Okay, we'll do that. All right, ladies and <laughs> yeah. gentlemen, the I'll make that happen next week. I, I mean, we got the 17 weeks you, of it. I mean, you were going to have a despicable mustache too. I mean, I could just tell by your baby oh, face. It's, it's awful. It, I'm going to look like I I'm going to look like I drive a white van and belong in prison. Oh, it's you're talking okay. terrible. Well, the good thing about that is we're coming up in a time in baseball where you won't be need to be seen by a lot of people oh, or anything. Yeah. So that mustache won't potentially hinder your childish baby good looks, you know what you what you know what I mean? I have the worst facial hair in America. This is going to be terrible. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jet Passer. Yeah, right. Jet. Thank you, Jet. Can't thank you enough for tuning in. We'll be back manana. What about Aaron, huh? Guy's the best. He really is. I mean, I got a lot of heat from Bill's Mafia for saying Aaron Rodgers is better than Josh Allen. I want to let you know. Josh Allen's playing really good football. Mm -hmm. Really good football. Yeah. Good for him. Has taken a massive step each year. He's a young quarterback, finding his way up there for Bill's Mafia. And by the way, as the season continues, both Aaron and Josh have to play in some wild circumstances with the weather and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. If Josh Allen becomes half of what Aaron Rodgers has become, I think Bill's Mafia should be fucking pumped. I would agree. Guy's a legend, playing great football. And we can't thank him enough for joining us. Also, prayer. And all of you, be a friend, tell a friend. We'll be back tomorrow. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.